When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Just look at the people here today for the Shell Series Grand Final at Oran Park. Fabulous crowd. We expect a fabulous race. They're off the line and John Bow gets out quickly, but none quicker than Cetus. The championship will go to Glenn Seaton for the Peter Jackson team. The balloons let fly. We've got a great start to Heat 1, the Shell Australia Touring Car Championship Grand Finale. No such sad stories for Glenn Seaton. Onboard camera takes you on the last lap around Oran Park. Here's your new. 1997 Shell Australia Touring Car Champion, Glenn Seaton. Oh, and you can see that grin from here to here. It's been a hard year. Glenn, Tony Murphy and the boys at the Ford Credit Racing Team giving him the thumbs up. Well done, Glenn. He is, of course, a Hall of Famer, two-time Supercars Champion, and we're very, very glad to have him on board. Just in time for Christmas, too, the V8 Sleuth Bookshop's latest fine work is, of course, Seto, the official racing history of Glenn Seaton. The great man joins us on the program. Glenn Seaton, welcome to the driver's seats. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Great to be on, on board, actually. Um, I listened to that intro, and I said, Seaton, a way or a good start? I don't think in my whole career I ever had a good start. So <laughs> I think they'll come alive there in those little intro bits, but uh, no, it's... Um, I think that start, mate. I think that start was. I think that start was uh, was one of the ones when you were next to JB and he was the notorious useless at starting. So maybe your start looked <laughs> yeah. good compared to him. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you're right, Steve. J, JB used to, usually did get not very good starts, but I thought uh, it must have been Rolling Stars because that's been the only good start I did was uh, Rolling Stars from the cart days. <laughs> Hey, Cito, I want to I want to talk to you um, about this book that that's coming out. With, thanks to our, our yep. good friend Aaron Noonan, uh, the V8 Sleuth. I, I sort of know you a little bit. I race against your son. You and I have had a couple of dinners out over the years, namely a very yep. funny one I remember on uh, Magnetic Island years and years ago when we were racing Mini Challenge. Yep. You're a humble yep. guy, right? How do you how do you sit with a book coming out about yourself? Are you a bit uncomfortable about it, or do you celebrate what you look back on now as a brilliant career? But I never ever looked at ever wanting to bring a book out because I never thought, I suppose it's one of those things in sport uh, and when you've done it professionally, you don't ever look at uh, what you've achieved and what you've done in the past, how you've come up from your grassroots of being a kid um, right through until you finish your career. So it was only Nerns that actually give me the edge or give me the knife on the side and said, how about if we do one? Because I think there's some really good content here that over your career, uh, it'd be really good to uh, to put it out there and just uh, let people know of where you've come from um, as a young kid and, and naturally the family history of motorsport uh, with my dad racing cars and back in the 60s and right through until the end of, or sort of early 80s and then naturally the start of my career but also um, how I started my career through karting which 
most of us all do. Um, and yeah, it was it was one that uh, I never ever thought of doing, and never ever thought of wanting to do it. But um, it came to a time where I thought, well, with Noon saying, hey, I think we should do one, it'd be really good. Um, but it, to sit down and do it is, was fantastic because it just, you forget about a hell of a lot of things uh, when you uh, yeah. you forge your career in any sport or anything you're doing. So you forget about the early days of um, karting and, and watching your dad race and going to all those events and then naturally forging your own career and then coming through... Um, the missing times and they're so into my own race team and then right through until the end, until I retired at the end. Yeah. It was great to look over it because I did forget a lot of stuff for sure. <laughs> as, a, as a kid, I've, uh, I've been around Glen a lot, even before I started mm. racing. And, uh, I reckon I've got, I, I would have had some really good chapters I could have put into that book with stuff that I saw. <laughs> that's for sure. And, <laughs> but also, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering, do you do you miss chewing on the drink straw, mate? What's the what's the go? Like, do you miss actually? You know, we're so synonymous to see you in the behind that wheel with that open face chewing on the drink yeah. straw. I mean, do you do you miss it? Uh, like, not really, Steve. Because at the end of the day, I I suppose people ask me all the time, do you miss being driving in uh, in racing anymore? And I probably got to say, when you've done it professionally yourself all your life, you get to a point where. I suppose later on in life you aren't as competitive as you used to be and you mm. you think you were. And you sort of go, well, I've done that cha- that chapter in my life and I don't really want to do it anymore because I don't quite get the buzz out of it I did early days when I was really competitive. Yeah. So not really. I, like, yeah, you see all those visions with the uh, plastic straw and I just think, Another ten years' time, I'll probably have some sort of plastic cancer or something like that. I'm sure that's true all those years. That worries me a bit. But um, besides that, no, it's um, I, I've been very lucky to be able to come through all those eras of motorsport from Group C. Actually, when your dad was very uh, dominant in that sort of era and that, and and to come through that with the Brocks and and your dad and and the Moffats and all those people, and then go into Group A. Um, which is naturally the Sierras and the Nissans and the BMWs and things like that, and go through that as well with the Sierra, and then yeah. do the supercar thing. So I've been very lucky to have that uh, come through that time in motorsport when I suppose when I look back on it, I was probably the young one that actually forged the young guys into the sport um, of of getting an opportunity because it was mostly forged by older guys um, that were around in them days, and then Fred was really the first guy to be able to, to give young guys the opportunity, which was myself, to to get into the sport. And then the sport sort of changed over those next lot of years. So when I look back on it, and, and like I say, when I did the book, it was really good to be able to remember those things and be able to highlight those things throughout the book and, and, and the luckiness that I had throughout my uh, my career. And, and, and I can't do that without uh, my family behind me, which is naturally following my dad all those years. It gave me the... This, uh, the spur on to be able to do what I did was um, was has been fantastic. And the reason I sort of asked that is because, you know, I know moving on now you're sort of you know Aaron's racing and you're you're, you're well entrenched in doing stuff for for him there. But mm. but even just two years ago when when my old man drove the the new Mustang at Adelaide for the first time um, mm. and sort of debuted the Mustang. Yes, it wasn't a race or anything, but he just. 
He got mm. out of the car and he just actually had a ball. Just literally, there's no pressure, no competition. It was just driving this new car mm. and mm. at Adelaide and Get he got the blood a bit, running. And he got a big buzz out of it, which I thought, which I thought was great. Absolutely, you know what it is, Steve. I reckon at the end of the day is uh, you, you no longer in those sort of occasions have to perform. You haven't yep. got the pressure there, so the enjoyment's there. Mm. Just the sport when you start to lose the enjoyment is when the pressure's there. Um, and and sometimes you're not competitive and you can't perform, you you, you really find it a very difficult um, thing to get up every day and want to do it, even though it's the most special sport in the world and the yeah. most special thing in the world is to drive around a race car absolutely on the limit and get the best out of yourself. But, yeah, later on, and, and that's why you, you've got to say your dad would have really enjoyed those things because the pressure's mm. not there. It's, it's just go out and have a bit of fun and feel what... The, the new model type of racing cars are like today, which is compared yeah. to what he drove um, 20 years before that. So, yeah, I can completely understand that for sure. And, Cito, the book's coming out, and we talk about pressure. I mean, 209 races, 17 wins, 54 podiums, nine pole positions. He won the Sandown 500 in 86 and 1990. There's a lot of stories and a lot of memories there. What can we expect out of the book? I mean, are we going to see, we're going to read what your favourite car is, what your favourite race is, uh, all those kinds of things. Is that what we can expect from the book? Most of it's really um, true from where I came from, Moorbank, which was a little town uh, near Liverpool in Sydney, and and basically coming through my opportunities to, to become in motorsport, which was through my dad. Um, through karting, uh, a bit through the karting stuff in there, uh, right through the Nissan days, right through of every year um, that I raced and, and through the GSR and being the team owner, being the engineer of my own race car, having to make sure the dollars were there to keep going every day and then basically forming a race team with Peter Jackson Racing and, and, and having 14 personnel underneath uh, working with me to try and achieve our ultimate goal, which was to win races and win championships. And uh, yeah. so all that's in there. And, and naturally the, the competition of the people that are raced against, the hard people, the um, the guys that give me a bad time, which was your, your dad was one of them, Stevie, calling me <laughs> a, uh, what was the word? So it was calling me a personality of a speed hump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Personality <laughs> of a speed hump. Yeah. Yeah, speed hump, yeah, all those. I never forget that because um, it came out just before Philip Island. It was probably the worst time in the world for your dad to bring that out because Philip Island was always really strong and we did all our testing there. And we came out, it was, I think it was only a week before Philip Island, and we came out and we smashed everybody at that uh, <laughs> Philip Island round. So it sort of it was a bit of humble pie eating there for sure. But, yeah, no, I'm sure there was. sort of stuff in there. But it was all, it's all lighthearted and a lot of fun. Um, and, and all the teams I was with and, and the experiences, um, it's yeah, it was. It's it's got a lot of detail in there of, of all my life of motorsport. And and I know Maddie loves digging up all the. He wants to know the goss and talk about this and that. And and all I want to talk yep. about is the is some of the the stuff that people don't know. And uh, and rolling yep. into. I remember as a kid, and I just want to go into a quick story here. And I know you'll remember because I know you were sitting in the passenger seat of the car when it happened. Um, yep. DJR. And GSR always had this rivalry, right? Yep. They always always did. Yep. And they were always pranking jokes on each other, weekend in, weekend out. Um, DJR Absolutely. did something to, to, to your team. Um, 
And then yep. it was, I'm pretty sure you were in the passenger seat and, and Scotty, one of your guys, long-term guys back then was, was driving. And I just remember, I was literally standing in the marquee at the very front of the marquee. And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? You, you know exactly what I'm going to say. Absolutely. They reversed this, this little. I don't even know what it was. any race team ever played. This, was, on was, this, this was the best prank. So, so I can't remember what DJR did to you guys, but you guys got us back tenfold where that, it was like a little, I can't remember what sort of ute was it, Glenn? It was like a little Datsun ute or it was just something. It was, some it was little, an old Ford Ford Courier Ute. It was Ford actually Curry. a guy, my best mate who I went to school with was a plumber and he brought his Ute out because he used to help us in the pits out there. <laughs> and it was actually at Oran Park. That was um, Park. It was the last round of the championship. It was Oran Park. And the guys at work decided we need to get DGRs back because we're always having pranks on each other, which I'll tell you what, for, for two teams that went hammer and tong and and needed to beat each other, we actually had some really good times behind the scenes with the yep. crews and things like that. But this day they decided to, <laughs> when you put brake fluid down the carburetor of an engine, what it does is just creates this huge plume of smoke. So two of my guys, which Scotty, um, my engine man, was, was the bloke in the driver's seat, but in the passenger seat was actually Tony Murphy, my team manager. That's right. So they backed too. up this. Curry Ute to this uh, to DGRs and yeah, but they day. backed up and, he, and they, they hit me in the leg. That like, I was like, you standing there when they <laughs> decided to put the thing on the rev limiter and squirt the brake fluid in the carby. <laughs> That's right. So they set up this device for the little plastic bottle which had a tube going through the dash to the top of the carburetor and held the throttle line open and then just pumped this brake fluid straight into the carburetor and just filled the whole annex up with this white smoke and it took an hour to clear. So the guys were trying to service the car on the Saturday night at this race. Oh, it was just awesome. But then the DGR best. tried to get us back. Well, the guys the guys and the crew at DGR tried to get us back at Bathurst that year with a um, one of those big orange um, orange guns where you um, put oranges in and you fire them out. Um, and they put graffiti in the end of it and pulled the trigger and it all just dropped out the end of dropped it. Dropped out the end. It didn't go anywhere. into the annex. So, yeah, that's right. So, it was, it was, all those days were it was so much fun. Great so fun. fun. And so, Glenn, as we Absolutely. look forward to... The future, your young fella Aaron's driving, driving, <laughs> I can absolutely attest, driving very, very well. I don't usually get to see much of him. I just see him fading off into the distance. Um, what's, your, what's your role now? Like, what are you doing now? What are you? How are you helping Aaron move forward? And what does the future look like for this, the seat and legacy of racing? Yeah, like, the legacy's a hard one because he's coming through a time when um, motorsport is so expensive to get into now and to, to try and make it to the top. When, when you look at, like, a, to be a professional race driver in Australia, actually supercars is everybody's aim. There's only 24 spots out of 25 million people if, if you look at the the, um, the uh, population of Australia. So there's not a lot of spots to be a professional race driver. So, but I just try and... I, naturally, I help him as much as I can. I, I do, naturally, a lot of the engineering on the car with, with whatever change we do. I've... I've guided him as much as I could throughout his karting career because he started at the age of seven. Um, we've been karting from seven right through until he was 15 and then he ended up in production cars. So he's driven a lot of versions of cars and carts that I can did do. Did some TCM too, Cito, even as well? T- that's right, TCM, mm. even to the point we did Speedway for two years um, yeah. in a class called Mod Lights, which is basically Aussie race cars on dirt. And I'm just trying to get him to try different disciplines of motorsport because 
I think that just will make you a better driver. So um, I've, we've thoroughly enjoyed um, going motorsport together. We've done everything together in motorsport, as in travelling around, getting to the races, working on the car. Even Aaron helps out in that area and, and all that at the race meetings. So just the time, family time that we have together has been awesome, even if he doesn't make it as a, as a professional race driver. It's just been so good for both of us and, and been a real pleasure as a father to, to watch um, your son come through the sport and, and be what I'd call reasonably successful at whatever he has a go at. Um, and naturally you see that, Steve, with, with yeah. your boy coming through as well with the karting days and then you naturally coming through XLs mm. now and had that first run in TA2s as well uh, recently. Yeah. It's just so awesome to see them have a go and hop out with a big smile on their we'll face smile. and really... Yeah. Absolutely. And, and not only that, it's go-karts was so good for any kids to be able to not only get out there and compete against each other, but also to get up and make um, speeches and, and at the presentations and things like that. It's, it's just yeah. good Make some life friends skills. as well, um, you know? So See some absolutely you know, meet, meet friends huge friends come out of motorsport. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, my my role is to just guide him as much as he needs my guidance. And naturally, he's twenty two now, so his guidance or my guidance isn't probably as much as he needs anymore <laughs> because um, he's he's at that age where they can all do it themselves now because they believe they can. But yeah. uh, <laughs> no, it's 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 <laughs> it's fantastic to uh, I've, I've come through that journey with him up till now and we'll just keep doing what we can do um, yep. and that'll be naturally Trans Am in Australia it's a fantastic class um, cost effective class and it's something that I think um, moving forward in the long term it'll be mm. a huge class that everybody wants to be a part of because it's uh, it's so cost effective and such they sound good they look good they're fat uh, it's everybody, everything that everybody's ever wanted in a, in a race car. I think that's, uh, you know, and that's the reason why, you know, I mean, you do it, Matty, you love it. Yep. Um, they're great cars. They're uh, they're all the same, bar the, the body shell and same engine, same everything. So, um, you know, that for me, for Jet, I think is the next, definitely the next step. But we'll, you know, we're still going to do Hyundai's. I think that's great for, for, for actually just race driving and trying to, uh, to race in packs and stuff. But, Moving on from that, Sid, or actually part of that with the TA2 side of things, I want to actually just ask you because there's a, been a lot of people asking me about this leading up to Bathurst, or both Matthew and I, um, mm. just regarding young Nathan Hearn. And, you know, you've seen a lot of Nathan mm-hmm. Hearn and what he's done. Um, I'd just love to get mm-hmm. your opinion on that whole super license and, and Nathan trying to run as a, a wild card at Bathurst compared to what he has done in the in the TA2 car, which is not really actually recognised mm-hmm. on the list of getting super, super licence points, which I think is a little mm-hmm. bit odd. But, I mean, have you got an opinion on that? Did you see all that unfolding and, and, and wonder what was going on? What's your take on all that? Absolutely, Steve. I was one of the people that gave him a reference to mm. to recommend him that he had the skills to be able to handle a supercar around Bathurst. Um, yeah. I, I look at it now, today, from... If I look at it based on where I came through and got to Bathurst, which was in 83 with my dad in a Ford Capri, it was quite easy to do. So my dad naturally was racing Capris at the time. He could, or, or even if he didn't have one, he could build one. We could go to Bathurst together and race together. As all I had to do was make sure I got my five signatures so I had my full racing um, CAMS licence, mm-hmm. and I could race at Bathurst. You can't do that anymore. You've got to go through this sequence of basically 
driving to a point where you've got to do a Super 2 at some stage to get enough points to actually race above us. Well, not every family has seven or 800 grand a year to spend on Super 2 season in um, yeah. in Australia. Um, mm. So it's actually narrowed the window down so much now to actually ever get the opportunity to race at that big race. Um, I think I think it's just I just think it's gone the wrong way and it's been unfair. So TA2s are probably if you actually drive them are probably a little bit harder to handle than a than a supercar to be honest because supercar do a lot of things right. TA2 cars they're on a tyre that's got no grip, they've got no side bite. Um, they're they're taily, they're loose. They're the you've got to look after small. the tyre. You've got to be easy with the throttle. It's it's just got all those combinations that will make them a good touring car driver anyway. So I'd hope moving forward that more young kids can get the opportunity to show their wares to be able to run as a, in in that sort of Bathurst race because that's everyone's dream has always been as a kid to want to race at Bathurst in the main race and and I hope that doesn't get restricted down to families that just have a lot of money. And you're right, and Glenn, I I don't want to harp on it, but I think I think those listening will annoy be annoyed if I don't say something. Uh, it's a little bit don't mention the war, um, but Bathurst. You were never. You and I used to have a joke about never having a trophy. Mm-hmm. We've both now got trophies, <laughs> which we're quite proud of. Uh, but the you never yeah. won the one thousand. Is that the biggest regret yeah. and disappointment of your career? You know, mate, I, I sit back and I think of the opportunities I've had during my motorsport career. I can't be disappointed in just because I haven't won Bathurst. Yep, I would love to have had a trophy from Bathurst because my dad mm. had one from 1965, which he won. And yes, would I give up my championships today for a win at Bathurst? No, because I suppose, as I said earlier, just before, I've had a great opportunity in motorsport. I'm not greedy. I love what I've done. I look at 95 and everyone always talks about 95 Bathurst. That in one way probably lifted me as a profile than actually winning Bathurst more so than anything because everyone remembers what happened in 95 in that last nine laps yep. of the race with the broken valve spring and sitting on the side of the road and the, the actually the camera crews coming into the car and trying to talk to me at the same time. Um, so, nah. look, I would love to have one on the mantelpiece, but am I going to my grave regretful? Not at all. Well, I'd, I'd like to ask you something not as serious because I did tell Matthew last week not to ask you anything about Bathurst <laughs> that year. I don't listen to you. <laughs> you I, know, I do not listen to you ever. <laughs> but I do want to ask one quick one before you go. Um, I know that uh, you were very synonymous for, you know, you doing all your setups and all that sort of stuff. Can you just tell me what spring rate the red springs were, please? <laughs> the stripes. The, the stripes. So yes, we, the striped spring. We had red, yellow, blue, black. Yep. But then they went to, because we had too many spring rates, and then went to stripes. So, <laughs> and, and I actually put all that in the book. That's in the book. You've got to read it. That is oh, I'm going to read the book. Perfect. Rationale, my rationale of why I did that. And the reason <laughs> I did that was because you, you come through a time in sport and God, your dad would know that, and, and anyone that owns a race team knows this, that people change from race team to race team to race team. And when they know all your information, they just take it to the next shop. So yeah. I thought, because I'm doing all the engineering and deciding what I want in that car anyway for myself, 
why tell everybody that you've got an 800 pound front spring or you've got a thousand pound front spring? Why does it matter? As long Just as color that you've code got in there, you know. the balance of the car is what you want. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> so no one can go from my race team and go up to Dick Johnson Racing and go, Sino's running a 1300 pound front spring and a 200 pound rear spring. They just go up there and go, well, Sino's got a blue stripe spring <laughs> and a red stripe spring And a back. red one in the See, back. See, you work out what race they are. So, in order, you know the good thing out of it all? It's made a bloody good story, hasn't it? It's made a bloody good story. <laughs> well, well, Glenn, your book is... That was, that was my rationale. Well, Glenn, the book is jam-packed full of it, and you can grab it from the V8 sleuth. Bookshop. Uh, Cedo, the official racing history of Glenn Seaton is out now, just in time for Chrissy. Uh, Cedo, just going back to Bathurst, mate, you have done 25, uh, 26 Bathurst 1000, 26 consecutively. Mm. There are blokes that are annoyed they couldn't even get to the mountain to watch it this year. Right. So, <laughs> uh, mate, when, when, we, when you sort of put it like that, you have had a very blessed career and you've been on, on the podium there a couple of times as well. So, this mm. book, jam packed, get down to the V8 Slate Bookstore. It's available there too. And uh, so we thank you for taking a bit of time out of your busy Thursday evening to have a chat with us here on the driver's seat. Pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Steve. And um, I've really enjoyed the time to be able to uh, go through the past histories of Glen Seat. <laughs> make and a few little stories to boot. <laughs> <laughs> but make sure you head to, make sure you head to the V8 Sleuth Bookstore and check it out. And uh, and Steve, you'd know from the DJR book that uh, Noon's put out, he does a ripper job with these books. He, he does. He does a sensational job. Uh, best by far. Obviously, we know how good and how smart he is with the knowledge of all motorsport. Not yeah. only just what's happened and, and, and the history of certain drivers, but the history of cars, everything. Like, this guy is an absolute He's genius. A weapon. But, but also, in saying that, um, my wife, Mrs. Mack, actually bought me the Bathurst 12-hour book because it, I'm featured in there a couple of times. It arrived only yesterday. And I, the quality of the book, the quality of the stock, the quality of how it's printed, the the images, the way it's written from a twelve hour perspective with Richard Crail doing forwards and all that kind of stuff, it it is a quality product. It's not mm. just your little, you know, home published book. It is a quality quality book. Uh, everything that Aaron does. So uh, make sure you get on the official racing history of Glenn Seaton because I'm sure it's exactly the same. And he's he is such a good bloke. Mm. Like, you know you. I really enjoyed that. I that really enjoyed such that a too. Great chat. And you hear, there's always someone that's got an opinion of someone. Yeah. Scafey's arrogant. Dick's Dick. You know, he's everyone's Dick champion. Calls me a speed Brock, Brock was perfect. <laughs> They've all got an opinion yep. about Glenn. They, but but you talk about Glenn Seaton, everyone goes, just a lovely bloke. Such a lovely bloke. Yep. No one goes, oh, he's a bastard, or he was this, or he was dirty, or he was a cheater. Only, and as they you just say, he's out, a lovely guy. Unfortunately, a lot of the time they'll say, oh, what a great bloke. But geez, I wish he won Bathurst. That's what people, you of know, course. and that's what so many people say. Yeah, I, he was the, he was the. If your guy couldn't win it, if DJ couldn't win it, if Scaife couldn't win it, if Brock mm. couldn't win it, geez, I'd love Cedo to win it. Although I was angry with him. I think it was in 95. He did take Dad and JB out of the race when he's turned him around coming out of the cutting. Well, so I should have asked him about that. Damn it. <laughs> we'll get him back. We'll get him back, no well, doubt. You can find that in the book. As we said, the V8 Sleuth Bookshop is jam-packed. Uh, uh, Bathurst Going Global, the 12-hour history, is available via bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au as are a range of Dick Johnson Racing signed prints to celebrate the 40th anniversary as well as uh, Racing the Line. You can get it now. The complete illustrated history of uh, Holden in motorsport in Australia. Are you, are you on retainer? Holy. I swear to God. 
I'll be sending you an invoice, Noons. We'll put it that way. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to The Driver's Seat. Big thank you to Glenn Seaton for joining us on the show. We've got a big one to get through. It's been so much news in this quote-unquote off-season. <laughs> but, yes, uh, we'll get to some of your texts as well, too. Don't go anywhere. This is The Driver's Seat. Thanks to Kubota. Together, we're building Australia. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.